Hi everyone, and welcome to the new year and new decade edition of the Generic Football Show, where we plan to be exactly the same as we were the last decade, very generic. decade was huge for football don't you think yeah i mean it was doubt. it was it, it was huge for everything but mm. i mean i've got some incredible stats i've got some incredible stats here's with the stats courtesy of sportinglife.com cheers thanks so in the 2010s there was 3803 premier league matches played mm. with 10439 goals scored overall that's an average of 2.74 goals a game nice uh, 726 of them yeah. goals were penalties which is 7% of the total like 1 in 12 13 maybe and that's why you're here yeah. the maths is incredible <laughs> it's actually more like 1 in 14 anyway sorry carry on <laughs> Manchester City won 251 Premier League games in the 2010s mm-hmm. that's more than they managed in the top flight in the 2000s and the 90s combined they weren't always in the top flight in those years. No. They've only recently become a good team. Let's not forget that. Yeah, but still, that's quite, that's quite incredible. Sergio Aguero has scored 174 goals in the Premier League this, des- this decade. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Harry Kane is second. Bearing in mind, Harry Kane hasn't been around for 10 years. What about Rooney? He's got to be up there. Rooney's third with 114. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, chances created. I don't think it will surprise you that David Silva's top. Is that cha- is that assists or just chances created? That is just chances created. Okay. Do we have the stat for assists as well? Oh, oh. Uh, My guess is Meza Ozil. Maybe. But do you know what? I don't have it. How bizarre is that? Hmm. I literally have, I have successful passes, which is David Silva. Oh, Okay. That's interesting. Uh, Makes sense. Shots on target? Um, oh, it's going to have to be a striker. I reckon Kane again. Aguero. Oh, it had to be. 396. Is a good one for you. Successful dribbles. Um, oh, who's a dribbler? Who's a dribbler? Don't tell me. Don't tell me. I think Raheem Sterling's maybe in there from his Liverpool days as well. Raheem Sterling is third with 546 successful dribbles. Give me a give me a clue. What what team were they most prominent in? Chelsea. Eden Hazard? Yes. Yeah. 909. Wow. Yeah. Musa Sissoko's actually on there. Does he even dribble? Musa Sissoko, 375 successful dribbles. With the ball. <laughs> Honestly, he's only <laughs> ten behind. He's only ten behind William. That's unbelievable. So eat, eat your heart out, people. Eat your heart out. So, I mean, we were speaking about this beforehand, and there's a lot of talking points, and we're not going to be able to get through through all of them. Mm. But um, 
I know we've picked some of our highlights and some of our lowlights of the uh, of the decade. So, uh, did you want to uh, did you want to start? I think generally speaking, there's like lots of things that are like kind of prominent in the game today that weren't say ten years ago. Such things as like the fees that are now paid in transfers is just completely skyrocketed, and suddenly a hundred million doesn't look like a lot. Did Ronaldo go for eighty million? Maybe before two thousand and ten. Yeah, he went. He went before two thousand and ten for eighty million, and that that record absolutely smashed it as well. And now, like, uh, like Neymar, how much did Neymar go for? It was two hundred and something million, wasn't it? He went for like two hundred and two million, or so two hundred and one million, or something like that. Ridiculous! It's incredible, insane. You you wonder where you wonder how far it can go because it's not. I can't see it eclipsing three hundred million within this decade. I can't see it doing it at all. The football is is getting more and more popular around the world. And with that, I just guess more and more money is going to be pumped into the sport. And as a result, more and more fees are going to be paid in transfers. Players are going to get higher and higher wages. You've seen the rise of the Chinese Super League. We've seen the rise of the MLS in the last 10 years. I think, um, did David Beckham go to LA Galaxy in the last 10 years? I can't remember when he went there. Yeah, yeah, he did. And that was... That was like almost the start of like this idea that when players come to retire, when legends come to retire, they go to the MLS. Unless you're Bradley Wright Phillips and you go there to actually have a career, a fairly decent career. Oh, oh my bad. Beckham was 2007. Ooh. Beckham was 2007. That was so long ago. It doesn't feel like it. Wow. 13 years ago. Wow. Um, another thing that's like really prominent today that wasn't 10 years ago is VAR. I mean, it wasn't even, it wasn't even prominent a year ago. Was it? True. Yeah. All right. So it's brand new, completely still very much in its infancy. Yeah. And hopefully this decade will prove it to be a good idea. Cause at the moment it just seems like a bad idea. I mean, it gives us a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, I'm still not sold. You gave us some interesting stats there on like premier league football. Um, I don't know about for you, but for me, like, the real milestone in football is the World Cup. As a like sort of loose chronology, 2010, and we had a World Cup. And that was the first time it's hosted in Africa. Do you remember we had the Vuvuzela? Yeah. That really annoying horn instrument that wasn't really musical, it was just loud. The Jubilani ball. Shabalala goal to open the World Cup. That Jubilani ball was amazing, by the way, because that was the first ball where you could really see proper movement. Yeah. And I think that, that that's massive. That was massive for football, the, the whole movement of the ball and, yeah. and the technology behind it. I had one of those balls and it was really nice to like kick. If that makes it like it felt, you felt padding against your foot and it meant you could kick it quite hard without, I don't know, any pain, I guess. It, it sounds like a very simple statement, but I completely get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, there's there's some that are a lot nicer with that extra padding. Mm. Like I've I've still got a World Cup 2002 ball, and that is incredible. Oh yeah, I remember the one. Shout out Adidas. I think the biggest milestone in football is the women's football. Oh yeah, that's definitely seen a, a rise to prominence for sure. I think how women's football has progressed in this last decade has been incredible, and it deserves so much praise. They've still got a way to go. Mm-hmm. who would have thought at the start of the last decade that you would have seen the Juventus team playing in the Juventus stadium yeah, and 
the Manchester United women's team playing at Old Trafford and the Liverpool ladies team playing at Anfield and yeah it's amazing yeah you you wouldn't hear of it and it's not just that you know they're not getting 600 people in these stadiums they're getting like 15 20,000 people in these stadiums yeah man I went to the World Cup this year as well and like went to a almost sold out 30,000 seat stadium in Grenoble in France and watched Brazil play Jamaica um, and it was quite a spectacle man took me back to seeing uh, Bend It Like Beckham in what's been 2002 that came out and the kind of idea behind that was like you can't be a professional female footballer in the UK you have to go to America and their whole journey was like trying to get scouted by Americans and now worldwide you have like professional female footballers who just play football I think there was a long period of time where if you play football you've got a side job yeah or football is your side job um, that's yeah. it that's a huge yeah, rise to prominence for sure. Long may it continue because it's a breath of fresh air. And I'm, I mean, I for one mm. will completely admit that I didn't think the standard was very good at the start of the decade. But now looking at it and that World Cup that you were speaking about, mm. there's some incredible women's players. There is some yeah. incredible women's players. And yeah, definitely. it needs to continue to be able to grow. Yeah, I think definitely. I don't think their growth should be stunted. And, you know, we're all for that and I can't wait to see where it goes in the next few years. Speaking about World Cups, just to kind of hone back in on that 2010 World Cup, I think that came at like towards the end of like the Spanish dominance. I think around that time, the Spain national team were like killing it. Iniesta, Xavi, um, David Villa was still scoring goals at that point. Jordi Alba was killing it. Fernando Torres. Fernando Torres was like prominent as well. Um, David Silva. David Silva, yeah. They were Cesc Fabregas. Fabregas was there. You know, they were so good. They were keeping some incredible players out of their squad. I remember what was really interesting about them. And I think this is a large part of how football has changed across the world. Is like before then, like everyone was playing 4-4-2. And what was happening with Barcelona and obviously the Spanish national team, this whole tiki-taka idea. I don't know if you remember, but I remember watching the final and Spain didn't, field a striker towards the end of the game but we're still very much on the attack playing this tiki-taka and I think Iniesta scored the winner and he was sort of played as a striker but he was a midfielder do you remember that yeah I remember the formation because it it kind of flummoxed me and I know like Germany are big big believers in it yeah where they they'll play like a withdrawn striker because they don't believe they well they didn't believe especially around sort of like the 2014 uh, World Cup era mm. that they would play Goetze in that position because they didn't feel like they had a recognised striker that was good enough to take one of their star midfielders out. Yeah. Um, and like you said, I think it's set a trend. Mm. Uh, Tiki Taka, we're still seeing it today. We're, you know, we're still seeing, you know, with Pep, what he's doing at Man City. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he was, was he at Barcelona at that time as well? Yeah, yeah. So he was at Barcelona and arguably their most successful period. Yeah, dominating things. Young Messi. Um, also in that 2010 World Cup, one of the standout moments for me was Luis Suarez. Luis Suarez saved the ball on the line with his hands as an outfield player, gave away a penalty and Asma Aguan from Ghana missed the penalty. Semi-final, I think it was. And I remember watching that and feeling like Suarez 
cheated. He was like world renowned as this cheater, this like football's pantomime villain. I think I think it was the quarters, wasn't it? It was must have been the quarterfinals, and everyone was gunning for Ghana because this is the first World Cup played in Africa. It would be wonderful to see an African team successful, and to lose to Uruguay, who like had this pantomime villain in their squad. Incredible. I opened up the move for him to go to Barcelona, which is, which, you know, he struck a chord with Messi and Neymar, which made possibly one of the best, you know, threesomes you can have or you have had in football history. Well, this is exactly it, because prior to that, am I right in thinking he was at Liverpool around that time and yeah. maybe he bit someone else in the Premier League and he got banned and... You know, Liverpool had to offload him. Like, morally, they had to offload him because he was public enemy number one. The Suarez handball against Ghana... Yeah. ...was at the... So that was at the 2010 World Cup. Yeah, yeah. And I believe he was still at Ajax then. Oh, I see. The Chiellini bite was Liverpool, and that was the move... That was what forced through the move to Barcelona. I see. So would you say, across the decade... Luis Suarez has kind of gone from zero to hero. Yes. Because he, at the start of the decade, he was most definitely like one of the most hated players in football. At the end of the decade, he's one of the most celebrated strikers in Europe and South America. Yep, I go along with that. I, I, I think that he's, you know, if people are putting a list together of their best strikers this decade, Suarez's name is always going to peak mm. in that conversation. Yeah. There's magical moments as there has been. There's also been some bad moments. The FIFA corruption. Oh, yeah, definitely. With Sepp Blatter for the Qatar World Cup, you know, and Russia. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but I literally this morning I stumbled across a documentary with Gary Neville in Qatar. Shout out Sky Sports. Great documentary. It's mad. I think this is another result of how much of an influence money has become in football. And how much of a like a negative impact it's had on football. Because I think that the rumours are, allegedly, that the reason why Qatar, which are not renowned across the world for being a footballing nation, have won the World Cup, the smallest nation ever to host a World Cup. Rumours are that it's, you know, bribery. That's done it. Speaking of bribery, sorry, on a side note, that just reminded me of something. The most successful England manager of all time, <laughs> Sam Allardyce. Oh, yeah. 100% record. 100%. I had to get sacked because of... Uh, what was that word they used? Bungs? Oh, it might have been a bung, but they... He sort of... He didn't really do anything wrong in the end, did he? Because he had to... He, I think he sued the FA. Oh, did he really? Newspaper tried to set him up with a with sort of a undercover reporter acting as someone that could, like, Gain him some money. I don't know if it's tax or what. The other, the other big thing that happened financially was the uh, was Rangers. Oh, of course they got. Am I right in thinking they got relegated like three divisions below them and had to basically start again? Yeah, so they they had to start again mm-hmm. and went straight barreling up through the leagues. Um, but that was all to do with winding up petitions and not having enough money and sort of going into liquidation and. I mean, they're back now where they belong, back in the top division, back challenging Celtic. But what a tough decade for Rangers fans. Absolutely. You know, incredible, incredibly tough. And I mean, Scottish football as a result became like boring. 
it became like French football has in the last few years, where just one team wins time and time and time again. It's a one-trick pony. Yeah. So it, it's nice to see that Rangers back where they, they were, and also with a manager who was, I think, fair to say, one of the greatest Premier League players we've ever seen in Steven Gerrard. And that kind of has almost a tedious link to it because this decade has brought some incredible footballers into the management dugout. Mm. You know, the likes of Vieira, Lampard, Gerrard, Omri, ju- you know, just to name a few, Gattuso. Solskjaer. Solskjaer. Yeah. yeah. Freddie Lundberg, sort of. Mikel Arteta. Yeah. It's that transition now, isn't it? It's the, it's the transition of when Zidane. we were at school, all these, all these top players, Zidane, mm. all these top players that we were used to talking about are now the other side of the pit. Mm. You know what I mean? They're the other side of the dugout. Mm. And it's real interesting to see how they get on. Yeah. Some of them are going to be massive. Some of them are going to be huge. Others will, you know, die by the sword. Sol Campbell. <laughs> Sol Campbell. Yes. Sol Campbell's another one. Is it fair to say he's like the highest profile player to manage at the lowest level? I don't know if I've worded that right. I know, I know what you're saying. Uh, whatever. Not ever, but like of the last decade. I'd probably say so. I'd probably say so, to be honest. I mean, Notts County were facing relegation to the conference. Well, Martin Keown sort of was an acting manager at Oxford City when I've played for them. <laughs> That's a pretty low level. <laughs> yeah, it's incredibly low level. Oh my God. <laughs> Shout out Martin Keown. Honestly, your name dropping is unreal. Speaking about managers, p- players becoming managers, we've, we've seen like the retirement of, without doubt, the greatest manager of all time. The most uh, accomplished manager ever in Alex Ferguson. The most decorated. Yeah. And Manchester United have not been close to winning a league ever since. And in all fairness, I think it was 2012 was his last season. We had a poor squad when you really look at it. And still we won the league, which I think is testament to how great Alex Ferguson really was. That's it. Um, an iconic moment the year before that, it's a horrible moment for me, was Man City winning the Premier League on the last day of the season. Aguero! That still haunts me. I remember, I remember, I was working at Tesco's when this happened. Yeah. And I kept, and I, had, I was working with a Man United fan and he was celebrating because they had, because we were keeping an eye on the scores. Yeah. And he was celebrating um, and I clicked on a live score on the app and was yeah. just checking. And it said like 93rd minute, 2-1 Man City, like just out of nowhere. And like, I remember a load of us were doing like a, I think it was like a produce move or something like that. And the, the whole of the department just went berserk. And this whole, this guy, I think he walked out in the end, like just gutted, like football emotion all over the place. It was amazing. It was amazing. Not just because it was Man United, but just the whole thing. It was like, I think the story for the general football fan or for the general person who likes stories that isn't sort of affiliated or has an emotional attachment to either club and the story is like this kind of younger sibling 
in Man City that has always been in the shadows from the same city always in the shadows of this other club which is Manchester United which wins everything which is the biggest club in the world and for the first time in such dramatic fashion have you like pipped this older patronising bigger sibling to the title um, I remember I was in a pub in Whitney small town outside of Oxford um, having a pub lunch watching the game wore my Man United shirt was well up for it and um, we watched the, in the pub they showed the Man United game so Man United won pretty standard you know the players there was a sort of nervousness in the ground you could see all the fans the players were like we don't know if we've won the league yet the game finished the whistle blew and they switched over the TV really quickly and the moment they switched over Aguero scored oh heartbreak devastating so devastating man yeah wow I got drunk on um, fruit ciders that day yeah well as you said at the start of this like you know man city have been the most successful premier league club of the decade and i think that was the start of their their success i think it was it was the catalyst for change wasn't it it was it was them going from nearly men to winners yeah oh speaking about managers retiring i mean he's not retired but i think he was behind Ferguson the longest running manager? He may even be the longest running manager in Premier League history in Arsene Wenger, um, who only, what, two seasons ago now? Finally um, left Arsenal. And in that time, you know, things started getting bad for Arsenal. And I think maybe, I don't know the exact stats, but Tottenham have sort of overtaken Arsenal in like the most successful club in North London. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't even think you need stats. I think that's, that's blatantly obvious that they are the, the number one team in North London now. Yeah. We did say earlier, they've won the exact same amount of games in the past decade. And I think that that's a testament because Arsenal were a lot strong. It's almost like a 50, 50 share, isn't it? Arsenal were a lot stronger at the start of the decade. Spurs are a lot stronger this, this side. Mm-hmm. So, it will it'll be interesting to see how that folds out mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's all fun isn't it it's all really fun I think talking of Arsenal and I know I'm, I've sort of jumped to gun a little bit from from Wenger um, who is an all-time great yeah but I, I, I don't his tenure become very sour towards the end and I want your opinion on it do you think that's partially down to the rise of Arsenal fan TV? Do you think that's part of the reason why maybe it got more sour than what it needed to towards the end? Um, well, I don't think Arsenal fan TV is a catalyst, but I think it's a, re- a res- response to... I think generally, if we look at it over the last 10 years and maybe even the 10 years before that... Um, it was less likely that... How am I wording this? Managers get sacked so quickly these days. There's a huge level of impatience um, within a board of directors at a club and amongst fans. And I don't think... I think Arsenal Fan TV just reflects that. I don't think they've encouraged that. Um, yeah. I don't know if, again, it's a money thing. It's because of all this TV money now that clubs get. They're, you know, Every club wants to break into the Champions League spots. Um and if you don't, then you're getting sacked. There's like, 
Yeah, look at just Ferguson, like the most decorated manager in history, and it took him a good six years to win anything. Uh, that yeah, wouldn't happen again. It. That would not happen anymore in this day and age. Right. And I think, yeah, Arsenal yeah, fan TV reflects the um, the lack in patience that fans and boards of directors have now, but it isn't the reason. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting you mentioned Arsenal fan TV because this last decade, especially with the rise in social media, with the rise in YouTube and YouTubers and etc., there has been a huge rise in like not just fan TV channels, but like just football content. Yeah. The, the, the mere fact that we're doing a podcast on football and neither of us are former players or current players or associated with any club whatsoever. Um, but even the mere fact that we're doing a podcast, there are some great outlets out there, which I'm not going to mention because they're essentially competition. But, you know, football content is like a real thing now. It's not just newspapers and radio stations that cover this. That's it. And, and like, Look how much football's grown. It was only a couple of weeks ago that three o'clock kickoffs were being shown in England. Yeah. When 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 has that ever happened? Yeah. That's that's a that's a major milestone. Streaming sites um, like Amazon and maybe even Facebook in the future and YouTube are going to be like streaming full games live. Before we jump back to that, just Arsenal fan TV quickly, because I know obviously there's like full time devils and Revman TV and all that. Yeah. They're so prominent now that it's really interesting to see what direction that goes in mm-hmm. in this decade just to see whether or not like they become as powerful as what I feel like they can be. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like they can be, and it's going to sound a bit, a bit cheesy, but the voice of the voiceless because fans often feel like they, they're not being heard. It's, you know, football's a business, not a sport. And mm-hmm. you know, they don't feel like they have a voice and maybe, maybe this is a good thing. These, these fan TVs, because they're getting so much, airtime mm. and so many views from you know social media outlets and you know streaming services and all that but you know fans might be heard a bit better the change could be for good you know like tickets for instance ticket prices mm. i mean maybe that's something that they could you know they can work towards and and lower that by you know the demands of fans and and everything like that because it, like i said it is becoming more of a business than a sport now yeah, I definitely feel so. I think um, when you look at like quantity, like there is straight up more fans in the world of football than there is players. There are more fans than there are pundits and managers and coaches and agents and whatever. So it makes sense that the fans have a voice and a scene. And I think on an entertainment level, um, personally... I found, for example, watching Arsenal Fan TV more entertaining than watching some pundits in the Sky Sports studio this this year and the last few years. I actually found it a little bit more entertaining than watching Arsenal. Yeah, exactly. Like fans have so much passion and enthusiasm and like tattoos and like character. I kind of hoped that Arsenal would get battered most weekends just so I could listen to them have a rant. Absolutely, yeah. The other thing I just wanted to talk about very quickly. Mm-hmm. Football memories, something that something that happened that really sticks in your mind. Is there one thing that sticks in your mind that we haven't spoken about yet? There's some iconic games and some iconic players. One, obviously there's two standout players who arguably have been the two best players of all time, let alone the last 10 years. And between them, they seem to have won like the Ballon d'Or every year. And one particular memory... 
which to me suggests which one is better, is when they played against each other. In fact, I'm not sure if Ronaldo played, but Messi and Ronaldo I'm talking about. I remember, I don't really watch Spanish football, but I remember watching this one El Clasico back in 2017. And it was a big moment because if Messi scored, he would have scored his 500th career goal. And he did. And he did it in extra time in El Clasico to win the game for Barcelona. And watching that, to me, suggested he's the better out of the two. Yeah. Messi and Ronaldo's battle have just been stand out for the last 10 years. It's been it's been incredible. And the problem is, is it's slowly coming to an end, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, they're both over 30 now. They're both still two of the best players in the world, without doubt. Yeah. I think this is going to be really, really sad when, you know, they both go. Mm. Because I don't think there's ever going to be a battle like it. Not in our lifetime, anyway. I'm so desperate to see Messi play. Oh, it'd be incredible. That's like it would be dream. incredible. Yeah. Just, just to see him once. Um, mine... I've got a few actually. Um, obvious standout is Liverpool winning the league. Sorry, oh no, that's never oh, happened. That didn't happen in the last ten years, mate. Oh, <laughs> Gerard no. slipped. Oh no, <laughs> that's oh, a standout moment. Gerard slipping. <laughs> oh, set myself up for that one. Oh no, that's painful. Um, I was actually on about Champions League. Us winning the Champions League. Yep. Uh, last season and the uh, Club World Cup. Yeah, is a big standout, but the non-biased side, Germany beating Brazil in the World Cup. Oh, I've got to tell you my story surrounding that because it was so funny. As you know, I used to work at when I was at uni. I used to work at summer schools in the summertime, so these were like summer camps where kids from all over the world would come and learn English and do loads of activities, whatever. I was working at one in Oxford actually in 2014 when the World Cup was on. And it was great because the World Cup was on and we had kids from Croatia, supporting Croatia. We had like kids from Italy, from literally all over the world. And a lot of their nations were represented in the World Cup. The biggest group of kids we had was a Brazilian group. I think in total we had 78 Brazilian kids. So I think, was it the semi-final, the quarter-final this game was? Um, we didn't actually have any German kids, which was interesting. But all the European kids just wanted to choose Germany just to kind of rival the Brazilian kids because they were a big intimidating group so anyway yeah we uh we're in this sports hall and we got the this game on a massive screen like projected on the wall in the sports hall these Brazilian kids almost all of them had some sort of Brazilian gear whether it be a football shirt whether it just be a yellow top flags face paints I've never seen so many people enthusiastically sing the national anthem like they did you know our national anthem is god save the queen which isn't you know people don't sing it enthusiastically um but yeah they were like so excited for this game and dan (laughs) when brazil got battered these kids were (laughs) properly crying their little eyes out the amount of fights that started that night because the brazilian kids couldn't hack the italian kids the Italian kids aren't even German, but they were mocking them. No. It was that's amazing. It was that's amazing. It was incredible, man. To get beat, to get thumped 7-1 in your, in your backyard. backyard. And Brazil yeah. were like probably the most successful international team of all time. They got battered. That was amazing. Oh. 
was so I mean, that's up there, isn't it? That's definitely up there. Um, that's got to be up there, yeah. <laughs> I mean, alongside that, I think you could probably the biggest. What do you? The biggest accomplishment Leicester winning the league has got to be, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. That was no one saw that coming. No one at all. Five thousand to one shots, and they they done it. It's mad because only two seasons before, do you remember this? Two seasons before, in the playoff, it was either the playoff final or the playoff semi-final in the championship. Remember Leicester had a penalty. They missed the penalty. Watford went straight up the other end. Troy Deeney scored. Watford get promoted. Yeah. Yeah. That was the playoff semi-final. That was only a couple of seasons before. But I mean, Leicester had the last laugh because they won the league. I'm sure everyone's seen that, but if you haven't, you need to watch it. The, yeah. Anthony, Anthony Knockhart misses the penalty and they literally go up the other end and score within about 30 seconds to go through. Oh. It is it is incredible. But Leicester winning the league is, I think it captured the nation, didn't it? It, it captured the nation. It, it was, everyone wanted them to win. Everyone that wasn't a Tottenham fan or, you know, an Arsenal fan or a Man City fan mm. wanted them to win. Yeah. I mean, Jamie Vardy. Vardy, Mares, Kante. But I mean, Vardy that season equaled Ruud van Nistelrooy's record of consecutive games scored. Yeah. Um, Huge achievement. Um, unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I think that's the biggest, I think that's the biggest result of the decade. Yeah. Them doing that. I don't think you could ever have seen that coming. I think uh, there's been some incredible comebacks that come to mind. Like, um, obviously, I was one in the Champions League only last season where we saw, I think, was it again the semi final Tottenham versus Ajax? Yeah. And I remember, I didn't actually watch the game. It was really funny. I was in a nightclub and there was a guy in the nightclub with an Ajax shirt on. And uh, I went up to him and goes, Oh, I'm surprised you're not watching the game tonight. And he goes, Oh, I was watching it in the pub, but I've come here. And he, he showed me his phone. And I was winning and he was like, yeah, man, that's why I'm here. I'm celebrating. We're in the final. Da, da, da. I think he was actually Dutch. Um, and then at the end of the night, I saw the same guy in McDonald's. And I was like, mate, have you seen the score? He's like, nah, nah, nah. Still confident that they've won. And I showed him the score on my phone. And uh, yeah, he was devastated. You love giving good news to people, don't you? <laughs> I do. You love giving good news to people. Um <laughs> See, I think, see, because it was only, it was only a couple of nights between that Liverpool beat Barcelona 4-0. Yeah, and that genius moment from Trent. From Trent Alexander-Arnold for the corner. Yeah. I think it was a season before where Roma knocked out Barcelona. Oh, yeah. I think Roma beat them, beat Barcelona 4-0 as well to go through to the Champions League semi-final. And was it the season before that that Barcelona came back from 4-0 down to beat PSG 6-1. Incredible. That is the, see now that is the best comeback. That was incredible. Like almost the last kick of the game, wasn't it? Yeah. Where they hit the sixth goal. Unbelievable. That was beautiful, man. I'm actually, I'm actually grinning just talking about it now. <laughs> it was unbelievably insane. Speaking about the Champions League, um, watching it at your house, makes it also like quite iconic Gareth Bale's goal oh man almighty what a finish to make it 2-1 was that the 2-1 goal yeah that was the 2-1 goal because the third goal was 
where he shot it and it went straight through Karius's hands. That's got to be one of the greatest goals of the decade because of not just the technique and the skill in the goal, but the the occasion to put your team in the lead in a Champions League final. That's the reason why I think it's just ahead of Ronaldo's against Juventus. Yeah. Incredible, incredible technique. Well, I would say that was the goal that like made Ronaldo join Juventus because from what I heard, like he scored that goal against them and the ovation he got from the Juventus fans made him realise I'm loved here. Yeah. So when it came to consider his options, that was up there. Yeah. No, it's incredible. Standing ovation from everyone, which he should have got. Mm. One more recent iconic moment was, uh, I think the nation really came together in the World Cup in 2018. Because England had an amazing run. I vividly remember, I'm sure most people in this country would, whether you're a football fan or not, remember seeing those images of every time a goal scored, loads of beer going up in the air. Oh, iconic. That was quite fun. Nearly as iconic as watching Kieran Trippier slap it into the top corner against Croatia. Oh, man. I remember I was at a, a bar in Hackney with a load of work colleagues and one of my bosses, he's quite a large guy, gave me a hug and like knocked out my earring and like nearly broke my nose with the way he hugged me. And that goal went in. It's amazing that the country got brought together that well. Mm. And I mean, and we won a penalty shootout as well, which I think is amazing. Yeah. It's the most amazing thing that we won a penalty shootout. Like, I think that might, that might be the miracle of the decade. I think if England did win that World Cup, though, people would have died. Like, not because anyone would have been, like, attacked, but people would just celebrate so hard they'll die. <laughs> but do you know what? I don't even, I don't even doubt it. I don't <laughs> yeah. even doubt it. But when I mean when we when we look back on this decade, there's some very fond memories, and I think they're the memories that are worth talking about more. I know we've had obviously had the the down downpour of you know financial issues, and VAR is a bit of a down subject at the moment, and corruption. But football brings so much joy and happiness that I can't wait for this decade. Yeah. I, I, I can't wait to see what, you know, in 10 years time, what we're talking about and who's successful and what records are going to be smashed. And it's just, it's just going to be incredible. I think, yeah, the, the stakeholders in football now have like a voice, just the fact that there's a growth in football content in platforms that talk about football. I think, uh, I don't know it's for a fact, but it would seem like grassroots football in this country Definitely access to football for women has massively increased. Um, even the mere fact that in the last decade we've had our first World Cup in Africa and in the next decade we're going to have our first World Cup in Asia. Actually, no, I take that back. It's not our first World Cup in Asia because we had it in South Korea and Japan. But our first World Cup in the Middle East, we can say. Yeah. I think it's just getting bigger and bigger and the fact that in the last decade we've seen two of probably the best players ever means that maybe in years to come we'll see someone even better who knows Mbappe maybe can you imagine <laughs> can you imagine seeing anyone better than them two? Oh, I can't I, I genuinely look at them two and don't think either of them are human wow Liverpool might win a league in this decade 
you stop it now. I'm getting, I'm getting hot and flustered. And I think that's a, gr- I think that's a great place to end it. Man United might get relegated. <laughs> I'm genuinely cheek to cheek grinning. Like I've loved, yeah. loved watching football. It's incredible. Yeah, it's the one. And hopefully it carries on. Yeah. Thank you very much, and I will uh, talk to you uh, about all things relevant next week. Nice one. Have a good one, Dan. You too, buddy. Thanks, listeners. Thanks, mate. Bye. Bye. Just on a side note, do we call it the tens or do we call it the teens? Is it the twenty tens or the twenty teens? I think it's the 2010s, isn't it? Okay, I've just heard some people refer to it as the teens. I I, I just think they're trying to be hipster. Mm. Well, I was going to sort of make a pun about coming of age in the 2010s. Yeah? Yeah. Do you want to do it anyway? Yeah, the 2010s, you know, I think football really came of age. You know, it hit puberty. Oh, my God.